the BGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 695, recorded on September 11th, 695th episode. Hello and welcome to the 695th edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and 528th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Alright, so we're going to tell about what we've been playing and you know what I've been playing. I've been playing Starfield. A lot. <laughs> Is it good? Do you like oh, it? It's really, really, really good. And... You know what's funny is that the sites that have given it negative reviews, someone showed that they played like five hours of it. And the thing is, is that it's one of those games in which you start off, and it's okay, and then you keep playing, and it gets better, and you keep playing, and it gets better, and it keeps playing, and it gets better. Sort of like Remnant for you, I guess. And the thing is that um, I finished the main story, got into New Game Plus, and... Halfway through the regular story, I was like, wow, okay, so that's what this is about. And then after I finished the new game plus, and the way it handles it, it was like, oh, that's, that's amazing and and goofy and funny. And so, yeah, and um, I really haven't exploited all of the systems yet. And that's one of the – I wouldn't say it's a problem with Starfield. I'm just going to say that – there's so many options for you. It's sort of like the only reason why you do the main path is because that's the only path you know for sure that you can that you can move forward on. Should I do an outpost? Should I go on the side quest? Should I do this? Should I do that? There's so many planets. Should I visit them? Well, I don't have to. They're there. And um, I posted on Twitter one place that I was not expecting that was on one of the actual one of the main uh, worlds, you know, Cheyenne Avila, you know, the, the Firefly uh world and um i went off the beaten path because you know it'll show you these little icons that say unknown on them so i clicked on one and i and I said what the hell is this and it's like one of those one of those geographic features that you have to find in order to catalog but it's like what in the world is this huh what hmm. and it's like every day when you play it's like there's if, if you go off the beaten path there'll be these little secrets and surprises that'll just leap out at you i mean all these planets have you know, locations like there's an abandoned science facility, there's a cave, there's this, there's that. And you can opt, you know what, I'm just going to do that for a second. And then it's like you go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> that seems very uh, Bethesda, because that would happen in Skyrim and Fallout. You'd be traveling yeah. around, going to your point A destination, and suddenly you see something off in the distance and you want to go check it out, whatever it is, a base, sure. a cave, like you said. I remember when I played Fallout 3, um, I found the alien spaceship and got the alien pistol. And I said, you know, I, I thought I saw a city, a, a town full of death claws. I'm going to go there now and kill all of them. And I did that because the uh, that, that pistol could kill them in one or two shots. It's like the only thing that could do it. It's limited shots. You, you, the, um, the alien pistol has a limited number of shots, so, you know, you can't use it forever. You can't recharge it. But I just went into thinking, you know what? I'm just gonna come in here and blow everything away. So, but now I instantly know why it's gonna be called the Shattered Space DLC. It's 
kind of obvious after you figure out what's going on. So there's that. Um, I really, 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 really enjoyed Starfield, and I can't talk about it without spoiling it. You just have to play it. But I will say this. Um, it is not No Man's Skyrim. No. What it is is it's an unholy baby between Mass Effect and Fallout. It is so Fallout it's not even funny, but it's Mass Effect 2. That's interesting. Because, you know, people are complaining, well, you can't take off and go through the... No, no, no. It's like in Mass Effect, you know? When you, when you play Mass Effect, what do you do? You get in the ship, and it flies off. When you, get, when, you go to, when you come to a city, it flies down. And not even that. You, if you... The quick... Um, the fast travel can be... You can go from one planet to the other and never see your ship. You just... Oh, you're in this other city now. You never see you get in the ship. You never see your ship take off. You never see your ship fly through space. You never see your ship land... It's just assumed, yeah, you took your ship from here to there. <laughs> so it's it's like that. It's like, yeah, we're cutting out the fat there. You don't need to go out into space. You don't need to do, If you're just going from one capital city and a planet to another capital city and a planet, fine. You can do that. No ship. Just go. I will say the one issue I have is that no matter how great my ship, it always feels like it's made of tissue paper. So if I get into a battle, I'm doing a lot of quick saves. Oh, that's one of the best things about this game. A feature that was not in the other games, and you're going to love this. You can quick save while during combat. You can save scum during combat. And you can load oh, back nice. into combat. You can't fast travel during combat, but if if I take out a ship, that's it. I save. <laughs> quick save. Okay, I'm, gonna, if I, I'm just going to go back to that thing. So that is one headache that is taken away. I'm glad that Bethesda decided to say, yeah, not being able to save during combat, especially in this, yeah, just just do it. Because um, there are certain combatants who are way over you technologically, and it can get frustrating. And I took the sneaky the sneaky uh, thing, you know, where I can um, use speech and I sneak around, and I specialized in pistols, so I'm that kind of character. And it barely works, but um, at a certain point, I have to get the highly upgraded shotgun when I really need to kill something, and I need to kill it fast. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, oh, by the way, I did not take the adoring fan, uh, Scott. I'm sorry. Maybe next, maybe another playthrough, I'll I take the adoring fan. Because whatever you want, huh. What? What did you say? I said... I said that, isn't the adoring fan like a recurring weird character yeah. across he's the line? He's a he's a he's a he's a reference to Oblivion. Okay. He's a reference he's to Oblivion. In, he's been in a few games at this point, right? Like Fallout Four and Skyrim. No, no, this is, this is his first return. And the thing is that um, he's he's a meme uh, with a video that was recorded like 14 years ago, in which a guy just takes an arrow to him and makes him fall fall down the side of a cliff to majestic music. Oh no, I'm sorry, 17 years ago. It's one of the oldest videos on YouTube, in fact. Um. And now he's back, and you can get rid of him one way, you know, just take that, that pistol out. In the original Oblivion, you could not get rid of him. Even if you killed him, he'd come back. Here, no, if you want to get rid of him, you can kill him and get rid of him that way. No, I just did um, the one in which you have parents. That's it. And you send him 2% of your pay every so often. And it's fun. Actually, it's fun to have parents. I like what they do with the parents, especially in the new game plus uh, the New Game Plus is so hilarious in a lot of ways that I wish I could tell you about it, but I can't. Um, the other game I've been playing, 
aside from Slay the Spire, is Sea of Stars. And I'm pretty sure uh, 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 Scott is still playing that, so I'll let him discuss it. Yeah. But I realized something. Oh, look, I'm playing Starfield, Slay the Spire, and Sea of Stars. Everything I've been playing has an S on it. So, okay. So, so Scott, tell us about Sea of Stars, because I'm pretty sure you've gotten deeper into it than I have, because I've... I've only been able to play it a little bit while I'm playing Starfield. And oh, by the way, one of the good things about Starfield, which makes me know that it's a really good game, is like I get that, you know, I'm bored. Let me play some Starfield. Anyway, Scott, go ahead with Sea of Stars. How far have you gotten? I've uh, pretty much beaten the game now. Oh. And wow. yeah, I'm thinking of doing, a, I guess, a new game. There's a new game plus achievement of where you have to use the. Um, the hard mode relic to uh, where you do more damage if you hit the, the timing and block damage if you hit. And if you don't block it, you get even uh, more damage. So it, it And you have less HP. So it really makes the uh, battles a lot harder. I should interrupt right now. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the game has relics. And what the, the relics function really are um, game tweaks. They're yeah. one of them very easy. Uh, one of them doubles your hit points and makes you hit harder. The other one, actually, the two that start with um, both make the game. The other one, the, the other one you start with, actually allows you to see when to hit to get to time it just right. So you don't have to get, you know, it, well, there's not a guess, but it lets you see visually when you should press the button to yeah. either hit harder or defend better. So, um, so there's a there's another relic that just makes the game harder. Okay. So yeah. Um you and you, uh, it has a lot of puzzles. This game and a lot of oh, yeah. parkouring. I was kind of surprised about that. Um, one of the things I was surprised about this game is that I said, "Oh shit, they're making me play Tunic all over again." <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Because um, um, turn-based, though. The, no, uh, but here's the thing: is that the and the entire map traversal is basically playing Tunic. Like the maps themselves, uh, not the maps, but the landscape. When you're walking around, that's basically a puzzle right unto itself. You have to figure out. Wait oh, a yeah. minute. Uh, where does this go? Oh, this goes here. Oh, and this is hidden by that. Oh, you know. Wait a minute. DJ, have you played Tunic yet? Yes. Okay, so do you know what we're talking about when we say that the map itself... And by the way, get closer to your mic. Now, you, uh, you can get an idea of what we're talking about when we say that the maps themselves are a puzzle. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, TJ should uh, try to play Sea Star sometime if you haven't already. It's on Game I Pass, think, if you have Game Pass. Yeah, you could just do Game Pass or, or PlayStation Plus. It's on there as well. Oh, by the way, I finally got my uh, Constellation Edition right <laughs> when the game launched. Thankfully, I did the premium so I could play for, on August 31st. But the, star, uh, the watch is really nifty. You know, oh, it, yeah. The only unfortunate thing is they haven't uploaded the weather the weather software yet, so I can't check the weather on my, my watch yet. But oh. It looks real cool. Just look out the window. That's that's where you see the weather. Yeah, it's in a thunderstorm right now. Um, but yeah, the the game has turn-based combat, and you can time your hits to get. Oh, like if you do a regular attack, you can get uh, what's called live mana, and it uh, it increases oh. your attack and gives you. Wait, is this um, with the relic turned on? No, this is just general. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, we we discussed this last well two weeks ago. Uh, just so you know. Last week, did I not do a podcast because guess what? There was no news. All of it was Starfield, 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 Starfield. You know, and none of it was interesting. Yeah, Chief Star seems to have done really well. They uh, 
I like I think in the first day they sold a hundred thousand units and within the it was week number one on was, Steam briefly and yeah. then just Starfield took over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean the game is doing well, you know, and the music is really fun. You have a, a couple. You have about like ten or so, twelve or so tracks from uh, Mitsuda, who was the Chrono Trigger uh, composer. Um, and the story is nice. You know, it's fun. It it, it does relate to the messenger. It, it's very metatextual of, too. Yeah, there's, there's a, lot a lot of metatextual. Yeah, there's a lot of metatextual uh, JRPG uh, gags and you know, like isn't it funny in the JRPG when you can do this? Oh, yeah. well, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead. Or, oh, we have to do this JRPG thing again. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, again, it's a fun game, and it, it does have uh, a sense of humor about it, but it, it also has some seriousness, too, I think. Is it wrong for me to say um, it's still I still would rather be playing 100 Heroes? Well, that's next year, so. Well, is it next year? I'm I thought it was the end of the year. Or is it 2024? I forgot. It'll be 2024, quarter two of 2024. Oh, okay. But uh, there's going to be some news at Tokyo Game Show, so we'll see what they say there. Oh, there, it's going to be interesting to see Tokyo Game Show with some of the news we have today. <laughs> we'll, but we've discussed that. Uh, TJ, what have you been playing? Um, <clears throat> Sam and I dug into Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, so you, you did the uh, multiplayer? Yes. That's one of the good um, things about it having multiplayer, and that in your in, in situations like yours, you don't have a spouse just watching over your shoulder, making dis, uh, making suggestions. No, 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 they can just, you know, I'm going to be this character. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We both rolled different characters for this one. Uh, I went with a druid because I like the idea of turning into all sorts of cool animals. Oh, even yeah, better! Yeah. You have the special dialogue options too. Well, everybody has special dialogue options, but you can talk to, you can go to the druid camp and talk to that bear. <laughs> I uh, I very specifically built my character to be not very socially uh, adept, but good at but good at charming people and animals into doing what they want. But, and, but the dialogue uh, is the best part. No, that's what I'm saying is that you can use uh, charm humans in the middle of a dialogue option to get special dialogue I know options that. or advantages but on who, your role. Who cares about talking to sentient beings? I'd rather talk to the animals. And with druids, you can you can actually talk to any animal. Yep, Why not squirrels, both? cow, dog, whatever. No, I mean, every single animal that you see in that game can be talked to. Yeah. To which I said, why not both? I'm, I'm capable of, I'm capable of. Yeah, but you said you, you, yeah, but you said you were, you were socially inept, inept. So it's sort of like, what, you can insult the bees? But he's like using magic to get his way is what he's saying. I use charm, uh-huh. I use charm magic to turn the things in my favor. I, social, when I say socially adept, inept. I mean that my persuasion, intimidation, and uh, other charisma stuff like is that. Dumb stat. Well, guess what? I, charisma was my <laughs> high stat, so I was able to but, talk. Uh, but it was, but it's fun in that way because because uh, like when it comes to like persuasion checks, my character is terrible. But when it comes to noticing things like nature, wisdom, or just using magic to charm people into getting my way, that's where it gets fun. <laughs> and. Uh, and they usually get pissed at me, and we have to deal with it afterwards because they recognize when they've been charmed um, after they came out of the spell. And then Sam went with a with a sorcerer that deals in the wilds magic, which it's a it's a subclass of the sorcerer tree where you turn this uh, this wilds magic thing on, and it gives pretty much every 
point of magic that you cast a chance, like an advantage where like you have a second dice to throw and you can have a better outcome. However, the more you use it, the more it builds up an unseen meter and you can have wilds, ma- uh, a magic surge, just do some wild debuff on you or the entire party. And we've actually been having a silly time of like, yeah, we're getting our rolls. Yeah, we're getting big damage, but occasionally everybody's movement is debuffed or suddenly uh, my like Sam had a, a magic ball suddenly set around him that blocked his magic attacks from going out. <laughs> and it was, it's weird. I love, I love the interactions in that game and how much there is to do with each of the classes. Well, I hope he told Gail to, to, uh, to go away and just never come back. Oh no, he's in my party. What? No, but you already have a mage. You already have we a mage. Out, user. We pulled we pulled him out of the out of the magic hole. Yeah, but you know what's gonna happen now, don't you? There's tons what's of that? magical items. You can feed them the weak ones. I just tell him yeah. to go I just tell him to go do uh, you just jerk off and go away. He's like Is one he, of two decent people, NPCs. The others are jerks. He's like he he also hasn't told me much about himself yet, so if he explodes before we get there, then that's just that. Wait, Minsk and Jahir are both good people. What are you talking about? I, I don't know. I haven't met them yet. All I'm, I'm dealing oh. with uh, a Klingon, uh, a which is the Yankee girl, Lizelle, whatever. I'm dealing with a horny vampire. I'm dealing with a edgy, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, Sudre? Sudre? Jim Lazel? Lazel? You get the gift Yankee? Oh, yeah. oh, 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 Shadowheart? Yeah, the, she's, a half elf. she's all like emo and oh, Char's my savior and Celine's a bitch and blah blah. And I'm like, oh my god, you have to so backwards. And those three are just so obnoxious. You don't need to have them in your party. Will is good and decent, even though he has a, he's a warlock with a he's a he's a he's a, he's a he's a he's a warlock, but he's he acts like a paladin. Yeah, and then the Mysterian's fine. Gail is at least decent, you know. He doesn't think children should uh, get. Yeah, I just don't want him to blow up all my uh, and kill my party at night. Weak magic items. There's a whole bunch of weak things you can give him that are good enough. I mean, if he does blow up my party, then that's just part well, of the game. That's game over. That's just part so you of the know. Story. That's no. Yeah, that's that's game I'm over. <laughs> you have to reload. Yeah, but sometimes you just gotta let bad things happen and roll with them. Yeah, but you have to reload anyway, so it's not gonna happen in that story. <laughs> Screw Gale. I don't need him, Gale. If, if you have a, if you have magic users in your party, you don't need him. And well, meanwhile, what, if what, 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 what I just like Lizelle getting put in her place what, by the what, other. What do they do his story? I'm just saying, I it. I like Lizelle getting put down by the other gift mm-hmm. Yankee. It's like she acts all high minded, then she meets one of her spears, and the spear says, "Shut up, shut up, you're nothing, <laughs> shut up." Meanwhile, I'm just saying, like, if Gale is a human bomb for some reason. We'll just send him in the middle of the enemies, and he can do his thing, and then that works out for us. <laughs> not how it works, but okay. Problem solved. Have you met Halson yet? You're telling me that it's not going to give me a chance at any point to make Gale explode in the middle of enemies because I don't oh, believe God. that for a second. Story out. point. You can't. No, it happens. It happens. It only happens when when your party is sleeping. Ah. Oh. It only happens. That's the annoying part. Is that. You don't feed him an one, one day you wake up and says, oh, game over. He exploded and you all dead. <laughs> it happens when he's asleep? It happens when your party is is uh, is, is resting. Yeah, when you your party rest. I'm going to cast a sleep spell on him and see what happens. It has to be when he when he hasn't had one for a while. And it has to be. It isn't when he sleeps. It's when the entire party is sleeping in camp. Mm. It's, it's the worst possible to- time. 
I'm going to follow this uh, this this uh, this this plot line. Okay, just 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 I can, and see if I can make him if I can use his explosiveness. Okay, that's fine. You mean, just like, you just you make sure the guy. I think you know. No, I don't think he can. I think I think it's the rest of the game that he's like that. There's no mm-hmm. there's no side quest to cure him. Asterian, I came in, uh, Asterian, I always keep around because he's funny. I don't care. My character's gay, but he's going to tell Asterian, yeah, yeah, I already have a boyfriend. You can go away. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun, though. We're like, we're, I've got control of Gale, uh, Sam has control of Shadowheart, and we're just going to kind of see what happens. Everybody was happy that Carlock got, got that patch because they felt that his end story was bad. Oh, yeah. I heard the people are grumpy about Carlock. Yeah, they, they, um, they actually uh, did several patches and made his end story worth it. So I haven't gotten this. I haven't met. I haven't met Minsk or Jahira yet. So, and Minsk is the one that everybody wants to meet because he has Boo, the miniature yeah. giant space hamster. Go for the eyes, Boo! Go for the eyes. So here's a question for you then: uh, When you do dialogue choices, do you um, you each do your own dialogue choice and it just picks randomly which one goes or? The conversation is determined by who starts it. So whoever oh. engages, it walks in on the scenario or starts the conversation with a with a factor. They're the ones who get to whose stats play into that situation. Okay, that's one of the and, surprising uh, things is that uh, if I started with an NPC, they were the one who's talking and said, "No, no, 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 stop it." My guy is the one with charisma; he's going to be talking. Yeah, and so me and Sam, have, since Sam is. In Sam's role, like he does have a lot of uh, charisma and persuasion and intimidation and uh, and deception. So generally speaking, if I feel like it's something where like they I need they need to talk their way through the situation, we'll have Sam start the conversation. Just wait until your your druid meets Jahira. You're both druids. Huh. Also, Halcid is a druid that joins you too. So. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out. We turned uh we turned uh Gale into an uh. He's a wizard anyways, right? So yes. we put his focus into earth magic, like manipulating the terrain. We Made were the kind of trying to decide towards either that or destructive magic, just straight up fireballs, lightning and thunder. Because uh, Sam's far more focused on poisons and, and debuffing magic. From what I understand, uh, Shadowheart is good in the early game and just becomes less and less uh, important. In terms of combat, well, she's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. She has like buffing magic, she has direct magic, she has melee, and she has uh, supportive magic. But she has so many tools, but none of them are like none of them look like they're going to be the best ones. She'd probably be a better cleric if she was a Selenite. <laughs> yeah, I just I just find it really strange, like. She just like I I would find this chest locked by uh, a seal and magic, and she just got so snotty about it. Like she said, oh, it's probably cursed, or there's nothing good in it. It's garbage, and it's like, let me figure out this puzzle. I don't need your input. And it, it was so obnoxious over just a small little chest. Well, if you were in a suicide mission, you'd act snarky too. But she was never acting like that around me. Maybe because I was a thief and a charlatan. So maybe you said, yeah. That's that's who you are. <laughs> I know. I, I picked a Gith Yankee uh, paladin, and then I called him Don Quixote. <laughs> wow! How did Lazel? Uh, how did Lazel react to you? Because she's Gith Yankee too. Yeah, she 
she uh we we uh, we butt heads a bit because like she's like oh we we do things this way right and I'm like nah we're gonna do it this way. <laughs> Remember, it's so nice to have her put in her place at some po- at a certain point yeah. in the game. It's like yeah, shut up. You're not the be all yeah. end all. She started getting nasty to a tiefling, and I told her to back off. She didn't like that, but everybody else liked it, so I was like, yeah, that works. That's going to be interesting, because Sam's character is a tiefling, and okay. I hear that everybody hates tieflings for the most part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, for the backstory of tieflings, um, a wizard had basically a deal with a devil, with Asmodeus, and you are no longer bound to Asmodeus, but everybody thinks you are. Also, you look like a devil. Because yeah. you're called Devilkin. Yes. Uh, Karlak is uh, part of Ember Queen Join You. She's also Devilkin. She has um, an axe to grind. Well, literal axe. But yeah, she used to be a slave, and now she has an infernal machine in her heart. It keeps her body burning red hot. So it's sort of like she has that issue. I don't know if you've met her yet. Maybe I've spoiled it a little bit, but I really haven't spoiled anything. That's just basically part of her character sheet. So, but yeah, she's, she's pissed off that, um, she hates all wizards because, uh, not wizards, uh, uh, sorcerers because sorcerers are who sold, who sold out her entire race to Asmodeus and now she wants revenge. So, um, I hope <laughs> you might be butting heads with her. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you say you were, you were, were you a tiefling? Oh no, your character. Sorry. Sam's character is a tiefling. My character is a she's half a tief- elf. She's a tiefling a magic half. user. Yes. Oh boy, she's gonna have fun with Carlac. She's a tiefling and a, a traitor. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but Sam's tiefling is also deceptive, persuasive, and uh, and just silver-tongued. But by the way, Carlac is a better fighter than Lizelle. So you can have both in the party, but it's pointless. Just have Carlac at, and she's a barbarian. She'll she'll smack stuff up for you. I like Lazelle right away because she's got the charge attack, and then you can mm-hmm. follow right up with the pommel strike that uh, that dizzies them. Yeah, she's she's nothing compared to Carlac. <laughs> I just like that. I just like that uh, getting into range immediately and then disabling somebody. Okay. Remember, she's Carlac uh, is a barbarian, so just letting you know. Cool. And then you, and if you don't have Minsk in your in your party, then you have no soul. I'd like to collect all, as many of the characters as will let us collect. You can you can have them all back in camp, right? As long as yes. you know, the rest of the camp. But I think some but, are conflicted with each other. Aren't yeah, here's the thing. Did you ever play the first Baldur's Gate? I didn't. Okay, so um, early on in the first Baldur's Gate, you have an evil magic user and an evil halfling and a good... Um, uh, a good, not a good druid. Uh, I think she heroes a druid, but I think she's she's uh, she's neutral good. I think. Yeah. And you have um, her her boyfriend. Oh, f- his name begins with a K. I forgot Khalid. his name. Khalid, and he's good. About fifteen minutes in the game, they're gonna start fighting. They start fighting with each other, and they come to blows. <laughs> At that point, you have to say, uh, Am I gonna keep the evil characters or keep the good characters? Because these guys can't work together. And also everyone's favorite red wizard, Edwin, will uh, get attacked by Minsk if uh, he's in the party with him. And it's the same thing in Baldur's Gate 2. There's characters that will straight up kill each other because they do not want to be in the same party. I don't know if that happens in Baldur's Gate 3. It hasn't happened yet where I had that kind of 
Oh wait, I do know. Wait, there is Carl- one character. If Carlac joins, if occurred. if Will, I think it's Will. If Will is the only person there and he meets Asterion, he will kill Asterion. He will attack him because one likes to kill vampires, the other one is a vampire. But it, it has to be alone. There, he has to be alone because that's one of the great things about this. Um, you can split up the party, and you can go off on your separate ways. You know. And, um, and, you know, you'll be weaker because there's only a few of you, but you can, you can easily just have characters go one here and the other one over there. So, yeah, you can split the party and there's a mechanic for it. By the way, you're playing on the PlayStation version, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was wondering. Uh, as so, well. Yeah. I was about to ask, how are the, how are the, how are the, uh, combat wheels? They're easy to handle. R, R1 brings up the wheels and then you can cycle through like your main, your, your subclass actions, your uh, your main like spells and and combat actions, and then you have a third wheel that that covers things like push, dip your weapon in uh, surface, jump, uh, and gain more like sprint, gain more movement speed. Um, and it handles fairly well. Like it doesn't do the thing that Divinity did, where like the screen becomes one screen. Uh, when you guys get close together, but I kind of prefer it that way because it was really disorienting when the screen would suddenly break into one or break off into two when you stepped away from each other. Okay. Um, the other thing is, that's really fun to me is that you can take, you don't have to wait on each other to take your turns. You actually can just, I can, I can be making my play while while Sam is figuring out what he wants to do with it. And, Again, uh, this game allows you to split up and do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was a situation where, like, I wanted to use a buffing ability, but one of Sam's characters wasn't in range. So, uh, just I waited until they moved uh, the character I wanted into range, and then I used the buffing spell. And you can do that with a whole bunch of like things where you can sort of coordinate and, and plan and put characters together and, and sync up their abilities in, in interesting ways. Well, you know what the best part of Baldur's Gate 3 is, right? What's it's that? Cross, it's cross-play. Yeah. So um, I, I stopped playing Baldur's Gate 3 on PC. I may play it on Xbox. So what happens is, is that um, maybe we can all cross-play together. Well, because if I'm going to play Baldur's Gate 3, I might as well earn, earn uh, Xbox achievements with it. Mm-hmm. You can play up to four players online multiplayer, right? Yes. It's a four-player game. That's interesting. So I have a four-player split screen, too. So That's, really, that's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to move on to quick news. Um, first new, uh, quick news is Life by You looks like The Sims with its breaks cut, and if it doesn't shake apart, it could be something very special. So for those who don't know, Life by You is a life simulation game very much like The Sims, except for a few things. One, it's in English. It's not in Simlish. And two, it is a lot looser. And a lot of people are getting excited. They're hoping that it works out. This is a game that could be either really amazing or possibly one of the worst games ever made. <laughs> What's interesting is that um, you can actually input your own English dialogue instead of a, a, a phrase that's already in the game. Hmm. Have you seen Life by You? Yes. This is, from the, this is from the original creative director of The Sims, right? I think so. He basically left The Sims and EA to go do his own studio, and Life by You is the first thing that he's doing. Yeah. And it is very janky in a good way. (laughs) 
And by that, I mean, um, oh, by the way, it's being, um, what's interesting is that um, it's technically being developed by Paradox Tectonic. It's part of Paradox Interactive. So I'm pretty sure that Paradox is going to be uh, trying to make this like another Crusaders game, you know, just something they can keep branching out. It's being directed by Rod Humble, who who was the chief executive officer of Second Life, um, and he was the uh, executive vice president for the EA Play label. So one uh, of the, one of the things that's really good about this is that The Sims has gotten really polished and really refined, but also really you can't do much with it. Life by You is they're promising it's going to be more of a story generator in which you're just making stories. You're not you know. It's not like um, The Sims in which the goal is, I'm going to make money, do this, you know, do that cycle of work, play, and all that stuff. No, no, this one is about making situations for your sim, your Sims. I'm going to call them Sims, even though they're they're technically not Sims, but uh, making stories for them and seeing how they react. And you might actually want to create a, a situation like they're really upbeat and you put them in a job in which everybody is cranky and, and talks down to them. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what this guy does with, uh, like, Life by You, considering, like, he has all the experience of Sims 2, Sims 3, Second Life. There's a, He has a lot behind him, and it will be, like, this is going to be the first game that he's made in a while where he hasn't been under a major AAA publisher. Yeah. Also, um, the character generator is really good. Um I don't know if you can do height. I think you can, but you can make them their bodies really varied, like really, really heavy or really, really rail thin or anywhere in between. It's one of the things that I don't like about The Sims is that basically everybody has the same body shape for the most part. Even if they work out, it's just you, know, you just add some ab lines to them. That's it. Um, yeah. Like I said, I have no idea like if this is going to be any good or not. But like, like I said, it's, it's either going to be amazing or terrible. I don't think there's going to be any middle ground here. The competition will be good, too, because The Sims is really one of the few things that does something that The Sims does. You don't see too many games like that, and if there have been, they haven't been notable enough to like move the needle for anyone that would be interested no, in The Sims. just crappy Tamadachi life and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, from software, mercifully spares the Armor Core, Armor Core 6's most busted shotgun and latest balance patch, Despite community memes, and I know what they're talking about. I've seen the videos. Uh, people armed with this, with uh, what do they call it? It's, I know it begins with a Z, the Zanz gun or something like that, the Zanzi gun. And it's a shotgun, and you can just keep firing it and firing it and firing it, and things die. <laughs> and uh, the, the part of it that, you know, it's like, um, but it has a really long reload, but then you can get uh, an attachment in which you can fire two other guns and just fire them while you're waiting for the, the shotgun to, to reload. So have you used that exploit of that shotgun in Armor Court 6? The Zimmerman? The Zimmerman is an yeah. incredible gun. That thing <laughs> is an absolute beast up close. I it's, saw it. just. T- you just go up to someone, you circle straight from me, you kill them. And you just keep firing and it, firing and firing. It's got a ridiculously slow rate of fire so it's like an all or nothing gun it's uh but you, you can but shot, you can get a certain mod that that uh, that eliminates that that down that that um in mod it's a it's almost non-existent though the uh the thing you're talking about is uh you can basically double fist it 
You can have a Zimmerman in both hands, and so you alternate fire between the two of them to kill the downtime between yeah. them. Um, and the and in most cases, somebody will like an enemy will jump out of the way of the bla- of the initial blast. But if you immediately follow up with the second one, if you can keep them on target, they're going to eat at least one of those barrels, and uh, it's going to do tremendous damage to them. I, I saw the videos. Uh, what do you call it? Like the, it, you completely wreck them, you know. And mm-hmm. even the even the, uh, so one of the videos is subtitled. This should be illegal. <laughs> yeah. Armored Core 6 has had an incredible array of, like, weaponry, and I like changing things out with it on a regular basis. The Zimmerman is an incredible weapon. It's not my favorite, but it's, like, a ridiculous gun. I, uh, my favorite that I've been using lately is, uh, the, the, they have these linear rifles in the game that they can be shot, like, one bullet at a time, like a regular, like, semi-auto rifle, but then they can also be charged up and fired with like a strong concussive shot. And uh, my favorite thing to do is make somebody use up all their boosts and then hit them with a one, two punch of that linear rifle and then immediately follow up with a bazooka shot. And that's usually enough to stun lock somebody for me to fire all my missiles at them at once and do some tremendous damage. I love that game and how much you can do with any given moment. And if you fail, you just go back and put some more cool stuff on your mech and try again. <laughs> how far have you gotten in it? Uh, I've beaten the game once. I'm in new game wow. plus. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm having a really good time. Just I'm trying, there's three different endings and I got the bad one on purpose the last time. So I'm trying to get the other two. We're going to move into game news now. And, um, Excuse me, I'm going to rant after this. NBA 2K24 players say the new badge regression system feels like a quote-unquote second job, and this comes from Dexerto. NBA 2K24's new badge regression system has left many players feeling like overworked employees rather than gamers. The new feature, meant to enhance gameplay, ironically feels like clocking into a demanding quote-unquote second job for many dedicated fans. Uh, One of the top 2K content creators, Chris Smoove, with a subscriber base of over 5 million people, has slammed the controversial badge regression feature in a new video called Brag Regression is Not Badge Regression is Not Fun. In the video, Smooth criticized the new badge system, stating that it feels like it's checking into a work shift rather than enjoying a game. He pointed out that despite frequently using certain badges in his gameplay, they showed no progress and even regressed. It's like I never used the badge, he said, highlighting the red arrow indicating regression. Smooth further explained that the system was particularly problematic when playing online. Players may need to adapt their playstyle based on the opponent, which could lead to certain badges not being used and subsequently regressing. He also mentioned that the added stress of playing with teammates who not who might not perform well, leading to players' badges not being activated and thus regressing. The uh, ba- badge system's solution, according to 2K, is the introdu- introduction of floor setters, which are permanent and found on the season pass. However, uh, Smooth points out that once a floor setter is applied to a badge, it cannot be switched later, which means that if a player realizes a particular badge isn't leveling up as it should, they can't reallocate the floor setter, making the system even more frustrating. Reddit users have also voiced their frustrations. One player commented, why do I need to clock into my second job on this game to keep my badges up? If I don't shoot threes in a game, it's it's because I'm adapting to my opponent. I lose progress in, sh- in my shooting badges? That is stupid. Update. Now, this was like 30 minutes ago. Um NBA 2K24 is now one of the lowest-rated Steam games of all time. 
It's the only game with the only game with a worse score than NBA 2K24 is Blizzard's Overwatch 2. That game has 183,000 reviews at a score of 10% approval, which is also basically what the uh, approval rating is for NBA 2K24. There is something else which is not mentioned in this article, and this makes me want to punch people in the face. This, in a supposed single-player game, if you, say, quit the gym for whatever reason early, the game will ban you for 30 minutes for quitting an online game, even though you didn't play an online game. What's even more hilarious is that it'll say you did it on November 24th, 47-13, which means maybe it's penalizing you for playing the game almost 3,000 years in the future. And I'd like to point this out. This is supposed to be a single-player mode. I know my player is technically online, but if you never play people online, you should be able to do whatever the hell you want. You should be able to quit stuff without having the game say, ah, you can't do that, now you're banned for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. Here's the thing. I have not paid a penny for NBA 2K in 10 years, in over 10 years. Either it's on Game Pass or a Game Fly It. Now, 2K Sports has broken me. I am not going to play a second on this game. I'm not going to pay time with this game. There is no hell, way in hell, I am going to actually deal with this kind of bullshit. Enough is enough. I don't want a part of it. The problem is, is that people keep buying this stupid game and saying it's okay. At least there are refunds. And um, from what I, I haven't checked the refund stats, but I know that a lot of the reviews on Steam are telling, telling people how to re get the game refunded. Mm -hmm. And you can refund the game on Xbox. I'm pretty sure you can refund the game on PlayStation as well. I don't know their policy. But this is a new low. And this is what happens when you let... This probably the end game for a live service game, isn't it? Because a lot of live service games aren't this popular, you know. Anthem doesn't have this problem because not enough people are playing Anthem and are trying to get people to play it, not avoid it. I want to play a single player game that has no online functionality whatsoever. I am a hermit. I don't like people. Stay away from me. I just want to play a single player game all by myself. That's it. I don't want to worry about buying virtual currency. I don't want to worry about having to play other people online. I don't want to have to do these tournaments and stuff like that. All I want is a single-player game. That's all I want. I don't want any of this. And people say, well, we, we can't wait for NBA Live to come. N are you kidding me? Do you seriously think Electronic Arts wouldn't do a live service game with NBA games? Are you serious? No. It has yeah. to no. Um, there is a game uh, which I bought. I, I talked about this game. It's basically um, we discussed it. It's a game. Uh, it's a football game, which basically is like a career mode techno game, and it's okay. Uh, the gameplay is not great right now, but since it has a single developer, they're constantly updating it. So at some point, it will have that sweet spot in which I'll go in and say, "Okay, I'm enjoying myself." Someone needs to make a because you know I play out of the park baseball, but. It's a tech sim, you know? Sometimes I want to do an action game. Go ahead, TJ. I mean, 
it's so it's got to feel just even all the more frustrating too because year to year they hear these problems most of the time and instead of addressing player concerns and and meeting them halfway 2k just continues to make the game worse and very strange on a side note (laughs) shall we talk about madden I mean, it's the same deal with Madden. And Madden is it, finally people. People are finally actually. It actually got a 69 on Metacritic, and it's like IGN gave it a 60. IGN, who usually gives that a Madden game, no matter what it is, a 90 or a 95 or some some ridiculous score which it doesn't deserve. People are getting fed up, and is Madden has gotten worse and worse and worse. And the problem is, is that they're not going to change the game until. You know, one of the frustrating things is that Sony is doing the same thing with MLB 2K. I mean, not MLB 2K. I mean, MLB the show. And the only reason why it's multi-platform is because MLB. See, here's the thing with the contract with baseball. Uh, the MLB contract says that you can only make first-party games with the uh, with baseball, right? Which means, um, in order for it, Sony can make a game for the PlayStation. Microsoft can make a play game for the Xbox. Um, Nintendo can make a game for the Switch and Mike. MLB does their own game that's multi-platform, RBI Baseball. But they found that neither Nintendo nor Microsoft were interested in making baseball games for their platforms. So they went over to Sony and said, listen, this is unacceptable. We need to make money on this. You're going to have to make it multi-platform. The problem is that Sony is the only one who's making a baseball game, and it's doing the same slippery slope as the rest of them. I try to play uh, MLB The Show. It's gotten worse and worse each successive year, and I don't want to play it. All these soccer, hockey, baseball, football, all only have one person making games for it. And right now, the state of sports games is the worst it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to look forward to in AAA sports. It's... And you can and you can say that uh, that Madden is moving in a, in a, right, a decent direction. I've also heard Ball people say lie. that... I've also heard people say that like the 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 game has not changed enough to really. It has not changed at all. Like it's- they have found. Um, here's the thing. You know, um, some stadiums still have little uh, you know banners, not banners, but something else. You know, that's on the side of a wall, not an advertisement. It says 2018 Super Bowl. What? 2018. That's five years ago. It's going to be disappointing for people that really like love these games and spent their entire lives playing them. It's it's got to feel like spinning your wheels and getting nothing done at this point, where you watch 2K and EA just continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, and they give zero shits because people will still buy them, and they'll still make their money off of stupid shit like Ultimate Teams. Yeah. Konami just revealed uh, eFootball 2024, um, and that got terrible reviews. I don't know if it's better now, but when it was launched, it was one of the worst games that was released that year. But at least it's free to play. <laughs> at least that's free to play, so you can you can experiment with eFootball. But yeah, yeah, I I want you know I wonder if the NFL is ever going to wake up and, and realize they can make more money with more people making more football games. Because I don't – they are – they always tell you about protecting the shield. This is not protecting the shield. This is making football look worse. It's really yeah. surprising that people keep supporting it if it's this bad. Because of the freaking Madden on Ultimate Team and 
the other thing, I mean, you, here's the thing. Um, aliens, Colonial Marines, it's fun if you play with other people, even though it's a terrible game, because you're playing with other people. You can laugh about how bad the game is when you're playing with someone else, you know. The same thing with uh, with any sort of competition. You could have the worst game, but if there's a multiplayer, and pe- people will enjoy the multiplayer, even if it's bad. So, yeah, I mean, until... Here's the thing. I am hoping that there's enough refunds and there's enough of a dent in NBA 2K24 that 2K Sports... See, there's one thing about 2K and Sony 2 that separates it from Madden. Um, At the very, very base, it's still a good game. And the very base of NBA 2K24... It is still a good basketball game to play. It's just that you have artificial gimping of players so that you're forced to spend virtual coins to make them at least semi-good, you know? Um, The same thing with the baseball. The baseball in MLB The Show is solid. You know, there's a lot of detail in it. Man, football is just freaking terrible as a game. And here's one of the reasons why. um, Baseball and basketball have things that make it easier to make the game. Baseball is a very linear game. You have the pitcher-batter confrontation, and then you have whatever happens afterward if he puts it in play. That's easy to develop. Uh, it's pro- relatively easy to program. NBA only has f- 10 players that you have to keep track of, you know? And it's very easy to have AI for it. I mean, you can break the AI, but still. Madden has 22 ca- players in a game, and you have to count for AI for each and every single character. Uh, which is why there's so many canned animations, so many bad exploits, so many bad AI, because they're dealing with 22 players on a single, on a thing going on at once. And that is the challenging thing about making a good football game. 2K was able to do it, though, with NBA, you know. Uh, the last game they made was the, uh, was the uh, retired players game that was um, all pro football, I think it was 2K8. Yeah. Which is still being played and which is still being... Fans are keeping that game alive, you know, and they're just saying, hey, look, we can just put the real teams on it. And that's the thing that always confused me, and that's the only thing that bothered me. So what if you don't have the NFL license and the NFLPA license? Just create a generic football game. Trust me, if you add a editor to it, people will make their own NFL players and, and, and teams, and there's nothing they can do about it because that's just people, you know, may, uh, what's it called, you know, editing it for their own pleasure, right? They're not making money by, by creating it. If they release, if they release a 2K uh, football game on PC and just call and give it generic and just make a generic football, generic players on PC, it will sell like gangbusters if it's good because people will just add the mods. That's all you have to do. Add mods. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's why I like, uh, where is it? Right. A lot of people like Bethesda RPGs cause they can mod the hell out of those. On a side note, while you're trying to figure it out, um, Phil Spencer did announce that the official Starfield uh, modding tools will be out early 2024. Uh, people are already modding the PC version, you know, because uh, you can just mod it. But you have um, the official modding tools makes it easier and makes it so that you can do deeper edits, you know, without having to get into the game code. It's also the kind of mods that you'll find in the Creator Club, which you can download on console. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting stuff in the in the Starfield mods too. Have you uh, have you taken a look at them at all? Not yet. Um, 
I'm still enjoying the game vanilla. Yeah, there's a Nicolas Cage flashlight mod, which puts Nicolas Cage on the beam circle. Which just, Actually, why have you seen? Uh, there's, there's, they've, uh, they've been posting. Um, the character editor is really, really, really good because they've been posting Walter White. <laughs> they've been posting Tony Soprano. They've been posting uh, Luke Skywalker. They've been posting Han Solo. They've been posting all these uh, Lilu from uh, uh, from the Fifth Element, and it's like the character creator is that good that they look exactly like the actor, the characters they're doing. It is. I had no idea the character writer I knew was good, but I just you know hair, face, gla- you know eye color, blah blah blah, blah boom, I'm done. People have been digging into it and just creating some incredible looking characters. Just yeah. just just look up Walter White Starfield. <laughs> or, it sounds like a pretty dang good uh, character editor, like yeah, good, yeah. I so. love a good character editor where you can actually like make really cool stuff. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Go ahead, DJ. All right. Nintendo reportedly gave private Switch 2 demos to developers from Wired. The Nintendo Switch 2 is near. At least if reports uh, about some backroom shenanigans are to be believed. This week, news broke that Nintendo gave uh, private demonstrations of the alleged Switch 2 hardware to developers at the Gamescom event in Cologne, Germany at the end of August. The news was first reported by Eurogamer and corroborated by VGC. There are no concrete details about hardware, device size, or whether current Switch games will be compatible on the updated console. VGC reports that there is possible support for some advanced graphics options like ray tracing and NVIDIA's image-enhancing deep learning super sampling tech. Apparently, Nintendo showed off the enhanced gameplay of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on the new system, as well as a Matrix-themed demo of the Unreal Engine 5 that was originally meant to show off the power of the PS5 and Xbox Series X consoles. Rumors about a Switch 2 have been swirling for years, since, and since the original was such a hit, a refresh feels inevitable. Nintendo has sold more than 129 million Switch devices since it launched in, in 2017. Previous rumors have hinted at the possibility of the Switch 2 being, a timed, being timed for a 2024 release. The fact that Nintendo gave developers a glimpse of the tech suggests that it is far enough along to begin developing games for but there has been no official announcement about a release date. Yeah, it's about time because um, one of the things is that the Switch has not only stagnated in sales, but it sales have been going down. So it's sort of like it's that time of the console cycle, you know. Nintendo says they they say they're going to be making games for the Switch until 2027, which is fine because usually you have legacy machines still making games long after long after the game the new hotness is released. So. <coughs> 2024 sounds like a uh, late 2024 sounds like a good release date for the next Switch console. All I want out of this is to be able to play 4K on a Switch on uh, in docked mode. Probably. I mean, they uh, the enhanced gameplay for Breath of the Wild was actually, um, from what I understand, was actually ray traced. So imagine Breath of the Wild ray traced. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> And the fact of the matter is, like, the switch, the current Switch, when developers have to develop for the, for the current Switch, 
it kind of holds them back because you have it's not a strong console. It doesn't have a lot of power behind it. Here's the thing. I know. Sp- I just bought an M2 uh, one terabyte memory, not a memory stick, but you know what I'm talking about, an M2 uh, SSD card. It only cost me 80 bucks. So if you can yeah. stick that in a, in a switch, you know, because that's the that's the basic thing that's held back every single Nintendo console. Back when they were using carts for the N64 and those mini discs for the Wii, or not the Wii, oh, the GameCube, those mini discs that only held, what, like one gigabyte of data? The thing that's been holding back all the Nintendo consoles is the fact that they don't have enough storage. They don't. They need storage, baby. And then there's the fact that, like, you don't have 4K. And, like, I, I want... I want the next Switch to be on parity with current-gen hardware. And and don't say that that's crazy, because the PS5 is and Xbox Series XS are, fi- are like, three years old at this point. Like, we're, already talking about the, we're already talking about the mid-release, uh, you know, the mid, mid-range mid consoles, you know, like the PS5, PS5 Pro and the Xbox Series whatever. I... I've known people that have said that, like, it's good for the Nintendo Switch to be underpowered because it forces the developers to work within confines. But what if they didn't have to, but they still, like, did push that quality? What if what if Xenoblade Chronicles 3 could be dope as hell and not have to be not have to be crammed into a switch a, a switch cart? Not only that, but, you know, um, a lot of games on the Switch requires streaming because they just cannot fit on the hard drive. Yeah, there's a lot I w- there's a lot I hope for in this and I hope it's true because like we we kind of need it. Like it's time. It's time for a new Nintendo console. Okay, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Yay. The Nintendo reportedly gave no. private Atari oh, did this one. Okay. Uh, Atari acquires massive Atari archive after revealing a new 2600 that takes cartridges. Uh, the great company, Atari, arguably responsible for the popularization of home video gaming, was founded in 1972. But after its heyday, things went ba- uh, went badly wrong. That doesn't sound right. Uh, and the original Atari could be acquired, split, merged, declared bankruptcy, and go through various corporate shenanigans, such as the current Atari is an iteration founded in 2001. Over the t- that time, it has had some less than ideal custodians. Oh yes, they did. Remember the the Atari the Atari console that came out was supposed to be a, a, a blockchain uh, NFT thing. But the mood music under current CEO uh, Wade Rosen has changed. Firstly, Atari is to acquire Atari Age, which you could call a retro form through that would vastly undersell what it is. Over time, this has grown into the best repository for everything Atari, as well as some other companies, both hardware and software, as well as being a major publisher of homebrew software. On top of the Yaruso is to become Atari's internal historian, which seems rather good fit, and the site will get the investment it needs for some long-mooted economy functionality. Uh, the news has been received by the world's largest collective Atari enthusiasts with mostly enthusiasm. The main grumble is about whether Atari can be trusted to manage the site properly because it is generally the number one source for Atari stuff. And Atari has a long history of mismanagement, which is not unreasonable. 
there are also concerns the company may try to crack down on dissent or heavy-handed. The acquisition makes particular sense in the light of Atari's other recent announcement, which is that it's bringing back the 2600, the most successful console in the company's history, as the Atari 2600 Plus. It's an updated version of the hardware that retains the iconic wood-paneled look, plus plays both Atari 2600 and 7800 cartridges and features an HDMI output and widescreen mode. For the complete nostalgia hit, it comes with a 10-in-1 game cartridge, including classics like Missile Command, Jar's Revenge. At 130, it's hardly an impulse buy. This is obviously a nostalgia machine uh, above all else, but there is no doubt a market out there for something like this. 130 isn't too bad. Here's the thing, though. Um, I hope it actually is for actual Atari 2600 cartridges. You know, because I still have some uh, 2600 yeah, carts. Just said. No, it it could be that it takes cartridges that are a different size. See, because I, here's the thing. Uh, there have been some games that have been released for the Atari 2600 that are actual cartridges that would fit in a real 2600. So it would be nice to have those homebrews and pop them in the 2600 plus. Because if there's a way to do that, and there's still Kickstarters which do that, you know, which are making 2600 games, they release it in two ways. You can buy it as just, you know, an uh, emulator file that you can play on an emulator. But they also make a version that also gives you the, car- the actual cartridge. So this could actually make that – look, there would be nothing great than to pop in new homebrew cartridge games on the 2600. Just pop them right in rather than just having them there for decoration. Yeah, I was thinking that what Atari needs to do is maybe make updated versions of their games, of the old classic games. Well, they did that, and the, that was actually a new game. Didn't you see their new release? They had the Atari, um, the Atari historical game, in which they had all the regular games like Yars Revenge and all that stuff. But they also had updated versions of those games, and I think those games are also now available on Switch. What I'm saying is um, playing Atari games, but a- being able to pop in carts, actual Atari carts to play them as well. Right. Yeah, there was that. Uh, there was that new and updated version of Missile Command that came out of like. Oh no, there's there's a lot of recharged games that came out. Missile Command recharge, Centipede recharge. No, there was an there was a game that was released on next gen consoles, uh, Atari 50: The Anniversary Celebration. Which had stuff like Tempest 2000, Asteroids, Zero's Revenge, etc., etc., but they'd also had updated versions of those games, which were not the um, the recharge games. They were just had different graph, you know, updated graphics and looked really nice. Um, I, I, I actually, I actually uh, rented it, um, and one of the fun things is that I watched all the videos about the making of Atari, about how Atari grew as a company. It was really interesting to watch. But they, they have, like, um, Haunted House, which is, like, a 3D isometric version of the classic original. And it also has Air World. For those who don't know, there was four games. Um, Earth World, Water World, um, Fire World, and Air World. And the first person to complete would got a goblet, a bejeweled goblet, and there was a sword, and there was all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Airworld was never released. Uh, they released it on the Atari 50 the anniversary celebration. I had one of them. I don't know which one. I think it was Water, I guess, whatever. It was the first one. And it was a hard I puzzle could game. Not it was a hard puzzle what the game. Heck was going on in that game? Yeah. It was a really hard puzzle game. I couldn't figure out what was going on, but then again, I think I was 12. 
Someone won. I think it was the goblet. Uh, the sword is uh, still somewhere out there. S- some people say they melted down the other two to get the things back. I thought somebody had them, but I, no, one uh, person won the uh, the goblet. I think it's the goblet that they won. Okay, I don't know. That that just was like major overhead, and uh, the real shame that that didn't. I, I guess finish. Uh, yeah, it was sword quest. No, that was sword quest. Um, so. The entire series is called Sword Quest. Um, Earthworld had, um, yeah, each of these things were produced by the Franklin Mint. Um, the uh, Earthworld was gave you a gold disc with twelve diamonds and the birthstones of the zodiac signs. And Fireworld had the chalice, a goblet. Waterworld had a solid gold crown, and Airworld was going to have a sword. So um, Earthworld only five thousand entries were received, but only eight answered correctly. And one person won, won the talisman. And for Firewall, 73 uh, did it. And then they had, of the 73 winners, they just had the uh, 73 finalists write an essay about what they liked about the game <laughs> to, to figure out. But at that point, you know what happened? Uh, yeah, the 1983's video game crash happened, and boom, there was no more worlds. Hmm. Oh, by the way, the games also came with a comic book, which gave hints about the answer as well. But yeah, the uh, Atari 50th anniversary comes with Airworld, for those who care. There was also an Indiana Jones game that was a similar type of puzzle game, which I could not figure out either. It was the first Indiana Jones game, and I didn't like it. Apparently it was good, but I didn't like it. Yeah, it was very confusing, too. I remember having it, and... Just not even again, not knowing what was going on. There's not. I, mean, I just remember going into the. I just remember going into the air and hopping around clouds. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, you really had to you have the manual, and if you didn't have the manual, then the game did not explain. I anything. had the manual. It still didn't make sense. Yeah, you had a handgun and a whip, and it was weird. I remember there was a snake, or you would fall into a pit with snakes, and yeah, it was just really punishing game. And these. A lot of Atari games were just not that fun, you know. They were very punishing, especially the movie ones like E.T. and Indiana Jones, and just it was just sad, you know. But there were some good ones like Haunted House and Warlords. I like those too, and Adventure. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, I'm 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 mildly excited. If it if it if it allows for regular cartridges, I'm in. I mean, if it allows for regular cartridges, because there's a lot of homebrew games that are out there. Uh, people don't know that Warlords was supposed to be an adaptation of an arcade game. Yeah. Uh, Space Castle, I believe it was, or something like that. Um, and they could not get it to work on the 2600. So they simplified it and made it into Warlords. Uh, someone actually made an Atari 2600 version of the game uh, five or eight years ago. And they, they put it on a cart, and now, if you got the cart, maybe you can pop it in and play it on the 2600. There's a lot of homebrew, like um, Ladybug, they made a homebrew version of that. There's a lot of games that people got really good at making games for the Atari. You know? Remember the original Atari Pac-Man, it was really bad, you know? It was rushed, and it was, like, very eh. And then they released Ms. Pac-Man on the Atari 2600. I was like, wow, it looks exactly like the, almost exactly like the arcade game, you know? Show you what it could have done if you had put some patience into the original Pac-Man. 
So, like I said, um, if it takes original carts, then I'm in. Because then I can just have the thrill of getting new Atari 2600 games in the 2020s on a cart. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the last item. And we already discussed this, so we're just going to recover it again. Starfield mod tools are coming in 2024. This comes from PC Gamer. And as I said, Todd Howard said that mod support will be available next year. Um, it's already possible to mod Starfield because you already have uh, people working on mods for it. As a matter of fact, um, they may actually made a mod that will not – that will um, – see, if you'd use a mod normally, that turns off the achievements, Steam achievements – they made a mod that you can mod the game and still get achievements. So there's a mod for that, too. Hmm. Um, the release of the Starfield Creation Kit will open up uh, more substantial content additions, like new quest items and areas. I just know there's a lot of people who are just itching for people to build new quests and and things on planets. Because I can just picture someone taking a planet and saying, okay, you're all mine now. I'm just going to redo this entire planet for myself. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I've always liked the idea of the mods coming to console because, like, otherwise there's no way for you to fiddle with the game, and you always just have to play it vanilla. I liked that uh, they set up that process way long ago, so now we have start. So now that we've arrived here at Starfield, <coughs> when they finally do release those tools, it's going to be a really fun game, or it's going to be a really fun way for players on console to rediscover the game and fiddle with it in ways that would make it funner for them. Yeah, and I think the number one thing that people are going to enjoy is um, having new quests, you know, just just being able to, because there's a thousand planets out there. I don't know if people can build a new planet. I'm pretty sure they could if they wanted to. I think that might be too much work. They may just say, hey, you know, I'm just going to take this planet and adjust its variables, because um, something that people may not know is that planets are the way they are with science, if they're like distance from the sun, the heat of the sun, that they're, they're the star they're, they're revolving around, gravity, the size of the planet, and all that stuff affects what the planet can be. So if you have a planet that's far away that has no that has no atmosphere from a from a dim star, it's going to be an ice world, you know, because that's exactly what it would be in real life. So in order to make it you know something that it's not, you'd have to ch- fiddle with it, like make it bigger. Bring it closer to the uh, to the sun. Give it an atmosphere, that sort of thing. If you really want to change a planet, and uh, Starfield is so open, you know, it's so like there's so much room in that game. I haven't visited. I've visited like 10% of the of the planets, so or excuse me, 10% of the systems. I haven't visited all the planets in each system. Yeah. Do you so like you've played a lot of Elite Dangerous at this point? Yeah. How do you feel like it stacks up in comparison? Well, here's the thing. You can land anywhere on a planet you want. The entire planet is there. I know there are some videos showing people hitting a, a, a wall. That's not what's happening because, according to Todd Howard, all the planets are mapped out, and you can go anywhere on those planets you want. You can land anywhere on those planets you want, right? The thing is that they're cut into uh, quadrants, so you have this quadrant, that quadrant, that quadrant. So what happens when you move across the planet, you're going from quadrant to quadrant to quadrant. So, And you can land anywhere on a planet, and there will be something special waiting for you. You don't know what it is. There's tons of stuff there. A lot of it is randomized. Sometimes they randomize where things are on what, which is on what planets. So 
there's going to be a lot for people to do. I mean, this is going to be modder's heaven. Even just quest and, and making stuff. I know that people are going to make vehicles. That's one number one thing that people want. And Bethesda did not include vehicles because they said it wouldn't make the game fun. And to be honest, to be, to be, it is true. When you play, try playing Fallout 4 with a vehicle, it's not fun. It's not fun. They tried. Modders have tried. It doesn't work. It might be different with, um, with Starfield simply because you're on a planet now. You're not, you know, you're not in a, uh, you're not in, say, Boston and you're not in Washington, D.C. You're now on a planet. So we'll see. I mean, I, I've just seen some weird stuff there. Yeah, I like how somebody made the Millennium Falcon in oh, uh, Starfield. That was pretty cool. You can make a lot of like. ships in that game. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. You just can't build a ship and do nothing with it. Um, you still have to account <coughs> <coughs> You still have to account for power, for where you put your engines, for all this other stuff. So it's not like you can build anything. I did see someone built a ship that is a cube. It was basically, you know, empty. It's just an empty. Cu- it's a cube with the with the um, with the hole being the lines of the cube, and with guns. And apparently, it confuses the AI, so it wins every battle. So you can exploit the game like that. Uh, I'm not going to do it because who wants to be sh- flying around in a ship that looks like that? <laughs> hey, if it works, it works. It works, it works. And if you like it, fine. I don't. <laughs> I haven't built my own ship from scratch. I tried. It didn't work. So now I just modify it, you know, because what happens is they get one ship that looks like a, a stubby, a stubby, like, uh, arrowhead. So, um, it, but it didn't have any storage space, so it, I had to build some storage models, except there was no room for storage models. What I did was I snapped off the wings, and then I inserted two halves on either side, and then I attached the... Um, uh, the cargo modules on on either side, uh, so that it was even and weight was distributed evenly. So the, the ship is now a little heavier and doesn't accelerate as fast. But now I have increased um, I have increased uh, cargo space and it looks better. Like I said, I have to see how you can. Um, I think I need to increase my skill in making ships to get ships with better armor. So I don't like tissues. The one thing I learned quickly is um, basically just make sure that you're behind other ships and they're not behind you, which is basic advice, really, for, for ship fighting. So it's it's fun. And um, in a few months, you know, people will be hungry for these mods, for actual, you know, big mods. Not just the mods that they're making right now, in which only the uh, most advanced modders can do, because they're basically getting into the game's... Uh, you know, language and all that stuff, and making mods from there. Uh, mod, the creation kit will allow you to, allow to be a lot more, a lot easier to do. But then we can, we, you know, that from Fallout 4 and Star and Skyrim. And now they've, you know, now that Starfield is out, they sell people working on Starfield with the DLC. And uh, Todd Howard said they have a 10-year plan with it, which I don't doubt because, you know, look at Skyrim. Skyrim's been out for a long time, been out for 12 years now. And um, the rest of the team is now working on Elder Scrolls Six, and I know that really makes makes Scott excited because we all want to see what's going to be what's going to happen with ha- uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Everybody thinks it's going to be in Hammerfell. We'll see. Yeah, I like the fantasy setting, and hopefully they'll do something interesting and fun. 
uh, and a different non-frozen uh, area would be great. Hammerfell, I've here heard, is mountainous and desert and arid, so that does sound real good. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we're not going to get a game like Daggerfall, which have all of Tamriel, because I would like that, just having the entirety of Tamriel. Well, there's ESO, which apparently has it all. Yeah, I don't want to play Elder Scrolls Online. I I don't play many live service games or MMOs. Um, By the way, uh, September 18th is the deadline for the merger. Oh, no, I'm sorry. October 18th is the deadline for the merger of uh, Microsoft and Blizzard and people getting antsy. They're going to get it. They're going to get it done. I'm not worried about that. They did say, uh, this is very important, is that the Activision Activision game, the Activision Blizzard games, are not immediately going to be on Game Pass, even after the merger is sealed. They're going to hold off on that just a little bit, and I think I know why. It's called... Call of Duty. <laughs> like I said, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 looks impressive. Looks like they really did take advantage of the extra year that Microsoft gave them for it. Yeah, it does. And uh, I I mean, <laughs> turns out that when you have more time to make a game, that it sometimes sucks less. <laughs> EA, EA and 2K should probably pay attention to that. Listen, NBA 2K24 doesn't suck per se. Although it's buggy as hell, which is surprising because usually 2K, NBA 2K is bug-free when it's launched. This one was shockingly buggy. And, of course, there are very hilarious bugs on Madden so far that people have been finding. Anyways, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net. Along with industry news and our gaming history articles, we enjoy feedback. So leave comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. Find me at Johnny Chugs. Find me at Shard More. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.